Let's pray. Father, yeah, once again, we, uh, we come before you. We acknowledge your presence in our midst. We also acknowledge your authority and the authority of your word in our lives. We ask you that you will pour out your spirit and permeate everything that we are, our, our hearts, our minds, our emotion, everything with your truth. Because it is the only thing that can transform us, Lord. And at the same time, Lord, any attempt of the enemy that will try to disrupt the, the flow of your, of your spirit and, and the giving out of your word, we take authority, Lord. We bind every distraction in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm, I know I'm short, but not that short. <laughs> all right, let's all go to uh, the Gospel of John. John chapter 13. I'm going to start to read from uh, verse 15. This is the passage after, you know, last week we talked, you know, we, we dealt with the story of Jesus washing the, 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 the feet of the disciples. Now, after that is this passage, and I would like to read from uh, chapter from verse 15, John 13, verse 15. And after he, Jesus has done uh, washing the disciples' feet, and then he said to them, he said, I have set you an example, in verse 15, that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I'm not referring to you all, to all of you. He said, I know those I have chosen, but, to, but this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. And then he quoted Psalm 41 verse 9. He said, he who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter mentioned a motion to, his, to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. He leaned back against Jesus. He asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, Is it, the, it is the one to whom I will give this, this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. I want you to underline this 20, verse 27. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the mill understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had, because Judas had charge of money, 
So some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow later. Peter, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Once again, Peter opened his big mouth. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. I want to, before I give you the title of this sermon, I want to uh, read one verse from Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? What's the connection? Well, we, we talked about Jesus washing the disciples' feet last week, and uh, we, as we read the, the passage last week in, in uh, chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 1 to, uh, to 15, and we learned that it was uh, the, one of the most intimate, probably the most intimate moment between Jesus and his disciples. It was his last moment before going to the cross, and that in that intimate moment that night, there was a lot of, you know, we discussed that there was a lot of spiritual activities in the air. On the one hand, Satan spoke to Judas to betray Jesus. And on the other hand, the Father was revealing to Jesus, God the Father speaking to Jesus, affirming Jesus' divine identity and his divine authority. All things, and as, as we read in the scripture in verse 2, where Jesus said he knew that all things were given into his hand. And we concluded last week that on the one hand, the voice of the devil resulting in betrayal and the voice of God resulting in serving his disciples. And as, as I said, you can say, I hear from God, I hear from God, but if I don't see you serving other people, I doubt that you hear God because it shows from that passage the voice of God resulting in Jesus serving, washing the disciples' feet. And the voice of the devil, voice of Satan resulting in betrayal. And, and I define betrayal as the ultimate end of self-interest. And as we see... This is, this is what I would like to say. 
That night, Jesus received this. It's almost like a moment of epiphany he received from God. And it says Jesus knew that all things had been given to him. What I would like to see, to say in that is that a good, healthy, godly self-awareness will cause us to lose sight of ourselves and start focusing on other people. There's a difference between self-conscious to self-awareness. What Jesus experienced was self-awareness from the Father himself. And he started to focus on other people, his disciples. As a matter of fact, even to, like I, I pointed out that he even washed the, the feet of the disciples, who, the disciple who was about to betray him. Knowing that the guy was about to betray him, he actually washed his feet. So the lesson from last passage, this is what, what, what I think as we read these two passages last week and this passage, I think it gives us a reality, like really a reality check because sometimes we can play spiritual performance, religious activities, but we forget the, the spiritual reality, what's going on inside in our heart. And the lesson that we need, I think we need to learn is that it is possible for the awesome presence of God to so fill the atmosphere and in the midst of all that something evil is going on in someone's heart. Man. Yeah. You could, people can come to church, sing the same song, read the same Bible, pray the same prayer, but something is not fixed in their hearts and can miss it completely. Like Judas. In the last passage, and, and let me say this if something is not fixed, it's growing. Because in the last passage, it says Satan prompted Judas. In this passage that we just read before, Satan entered Judas. He had full access. Whoa, he didn't say demon, it says Satan. So my title this morning is The Depth of the Human Heart. Who can know it? So at this point, no one knew what Judas was up to. So Jesus kind of he attempted to gently let them know that he was about to be betrayed, what was about to take place. So in verse 15, he said, I've set you an example after washing their feet, and you know what I've done. He said, no servant is greater than his master. Whatever happened to the master will, will happen to him. And then he said in verse 18, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. And he said, who, this is the, the Scripture that David wrote, actually. He who shed my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. So he was trying to gently sort of introduce, because nobody knows what was going on. It was a beautiful 
intimate situation where the presence of God was there. And so Jesus was like uh, trying to in- introduce this idea or this, this situation, the truth of what's happening to him. And then he, and then he said, he said, no, whoever accepts me, you know, anyone who accepts me, you know, accepts the one, the one who sends me. And whoever accepts you that I send will accept those that accept me. That, that, you know, that's pretty much he's saying, if you accept the delegation, then you accept the sender. He was sort of trying to gently telling them, he was almost like Peter Patter around the, the issue sort of thing. Because his concern was for the disciples. He was going. And these guys were going to be left on their own. So I think Jesus sort of like, even in the midst of that, knowing he was about to be betrayed, his concern was still for his disciples. He was totally not focusing on himself. They still didn't get it. And then verse 21, it says, And after he said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. And then he said, very truly, I tell you, might as well drop the bombshell. (laughs) Sort of like, you guys are not getting it. Let me tell you this. One of you is going to betray me. In verse 21. He troubled in his spirit. Now, I want you to get this right. Jesus was not playing the victim here. He knew he was about to be betrayed. He was in full control. Why can I, how can I say that, that Jesus was in full control? That while knowing that he was about to be betrayed by Judas, he still washed at Judas' feet. He wasn't a weak victim. Knowing that it's going to happen, his concern was still on the disciples. He tried to impart hope in them. Because he knew that the hour has come to leave this world, like we, we read in, in, in verse 1, to go to the Father. And in, in verse 1 it says, He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. Man, what a big person. So his concern was for the disciples. So he thought, oh, might as well tell them the truth. Drop the bombshell. And then verse 22, his disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. And one of them, one of them the disciple whom Jesus loved, was recalling next to him, be read before. So Simon said to, to, to uh, looking at, at, at John sitting right next to Jesus, sort of, you know, leaning against Jesus, Simon sort of gave a nod, like, ask him, you know, who is it? And then Jesus said, the one, it's almost like the same picture, like the same thing that, that uh, the, the scenario that David said in, in Psalms 41. You got to understand, within the Hebrew mindset, to eating at the table of your superior is a gesture of pledging your loyalty to that person. That's, that's what it is. Nobody just sits and eats, you know, at home with whatever, but to actually to be invited and actually to accept the invitation to eat at the table of your superior means you're pledging your loyalty. 
And Judas was there sitting at the table of Jesus, pledging loyalty by his action. And yet underneath him in his heart, something evil was going on. So it says, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do it quickly. Do you notice? Jesus was still in control. He told, he gave him order. Jesus was like, okay, go do it. What are you about to do? So he was in full control. He was in charge. He gave him the order. (laughs) As I said in the previous passage, Satan just prompted Judas. But now, he entered Judas. By this time, the whole thing has gone to a new level concerning Judas. He has crossed the line. Scary. And Satan had full access right into him. Notice he wasn't just demon-possessed. This is Satan himself. Interesting, but verse 21, still no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had, had charge of the money and some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival and maybe to give something to the poor. No one knew. But as we see the flow of the, of, of the passage, as soon as Judas left, then Jesus said, let's get on to business. He said, you know what? Now is the moment I'm going to be glorified. As if somebody needs to leave this, as if a tumor has to, be, to, go, on, to, to go before the true agenda is being revealed from heaven. Okay, now is the moment I'm, I'm going to be glorified. And he started to encourage them, really build them up and give them a new doctrine. Love one another. People, the world will know you are my disciples because you, are you because you love one another. And then, of course, Simon asked, where are you going, Jesus? I want to go with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to be there. I'm going to lay down my life. And Jesus said, Really? Don't go, go, don't go ahead of yourself. Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Three times, sorry. Here's the thing. Simon, the way I see Simon, he's got the right heart. But he always tried to do things you know, in his own strength, you know. Remember when he was fishing, Jesus said, go into the deep. He said, listen, I've told all night. And I've, I've done my best. <laughs> and in Matthew chapter 16, his heart was right. Jesus, I will never deny you. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was arrested, he also, once again, he used his own strength and cut the, the servant of the high priest. High priest, he tried to... Uh, to defend Jesus, he used his own strength. So, you know, 
he's, he's got a problem, but, you know, the problem is like trying to, try to do things with his own initiative and his own strength. But let me, let me see the difference between Judas and, 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 uh, and Peter here. All right. But first I want to see, as I study the, this, this story of Judas, this passage, I want to make some statements here. Like I said before, this, in this massive spiritual atmosphere where God was present, something evil was lurking in someone's heart. And I'm going to say this, I can boldly say this. Even being used by God is not a measure of your spirituality. Doesn't matter how good God is using you, that is not a measure of your spirituality. I'll give you an example. When Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 walk into the temple and a man, a lame man, they pray for him, that they pronounce healing over him, and then he stood up and jumping and leaping and rejoicing because he was healed. What, and people were, was, well, there was a commotion. What, what did Peter and John say? Guys, do you think this guy's being healed because of our holiness? No, it was because his faith in Jesus. In other words, what happened, the miracle of Jesus is not necessarily a measure of your spirituality. And I'm going to say that concerning Judas too. Because Judas, in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, when Jesus sent the 70 disciples, he was one of them. And demons were subject to them. Remember? And they all came back, got excited. Hey, Jesus, Judas was one of them. Even demons subject to us. Jesus said, don't don't get excited about that. Get excited that your name is written in heaven. So just because you are being used by God, that is not. a measure, a good measure of your spirituality. That's kind of scary. I mean, that's what I, what I learned from the Bible. He was one of those 70s. Not only that, of all the 12 disciples, Jesus, uh, Judas, has the highest honor position in administration. He was the treasurer <laughs> of Jesus' ministry. Would you like you to have that you know, position? I mean, that's pretty huge. But something was eating in the inside. And it's not very good. And here's the thing. I've heard different preachers would say that Judas was predestined to betray Jesus. Was he? Matthew chapter 26, concerning the same, same thing, Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 24, the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to, to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And also we read, Jesus said, just as it is written, by the scripture, Psalm 41, verse 9, that the Son of Man will be betrayed. So let me say this. 
According to those verses, it was Jesus who was predestined, not Judas. Jesus was predestined to die through betrayal. And then Jesus said, whoever that man is, who's going to betray me. So the Bible doesn't say anything about Judas specifically being predestined. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't say anything about Judas being predestined. He said, whoever that man is, it's better for him never to be born. So the only one that is being predestined is Jesus, the death of Jesus. Are you okay with that? But here's the thing. Did Judas have a, have, a, have a choice? Absolutely. In that last moment, okay, when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, that was the moment, man. He could have just said, he could have repented right then and there. He could have decided not to take the bread, you know. He could have. But I think he crossed the line and he stretched his hand and took the bread. And we see the scripture said that moment he crossed the line because he said, as he took the bread, Satan entered. Whoa. That's kind of scary, isn't it? I want to say this. Like I said before, these two passages give us spiritual reality. Salvation is free from Jesus, but following Jesus will cost you something. Receiving Jesus in your heart will cost you nothing, but following him will cost you everything. You can write that down. That's for free. Because we have this cheap, let me say this, grace is free, but it's not cheap. I'll say it again, grace is free, but it's not cheap. It costs God, Jesus. Man. And we have, we, we have to be careful that we get caught up in this Christianity, the cultural, or the culture of Christianity and the contemporaneous of Christianity and everybody gets excited. It's great. But if that's all we are caught up in and not having the reality of, man, you know, things can, could be amazing, great atmosphere, but something, is evil, something that is evil is lurking in my heart and I'm not dealing with it. This, you know what? This is discipleship. I'm giving you the reality. You can be used by God. You can experience the presence of God, but something is not dealt with like Judas. Now, people have said the possibility, like many other Jews, they were Jews with a different expectation about what Messiah is supposed to be. So Judas, knowing that this is uh, it's not working out the way he was expecting it to, to be with Jesus, so... Maybe that, that was not, the Bible doesn't say that, but that's a possibility. But one thing we know, Judas's problem is money. As, as we know, if you read the gospel, it says that Judas will actually dip, you know, like help, help, help himself with the money from the treasurer, you know, put in his own pocket. Now, this is the lesson what I want to, want to, want to, to give to you. If there's any weakness in us, Unless we give it to the Lord, I'm not saying you fix it with your own strength. 
you'll be like Peter. But unless you give it to Jesus, Jesus, I want to do, I don't know what to do. Help me, Jesus, or talk to somebody and pray. That person pray for you. At the moment, that critical moment, Satan will use whatever weakness you have to shift you. And Jesus, in this case, Judas is money. And he sold Jesus for 50 or 500 pieces of silver. It was money. It could be anything. And, and I thought, okay, let's, let's compare Judas to Peter. Peter also heard from Satan. In Matthew 16, remember? That's why Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. Yeah? Just like Judas, Peter actually heard from Satan. Not only that, he denied Jesus. Luke chapter 12, verse 8, it said, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me or denies me before others, I will, de- I will deny him or I will disown him before the angels of God. So I said, how come Peter got it, you know, got it easy, then how come Judas didn't? There's, there was something right about Peter's heart. This is Peter's saving grace, okay? His healthy self-awareness and perception of who Jesus is actually saved him. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, remember, I'll touch a bit on Peter fishing, and Jesus said, go into the deep. He said, Lord, Jesus, I'm a professional fisherman. I've done it all night and caught nothing, and now you tell me to go back? So, like, come on. And miracle happened where they could hardly drag the fish because the net was so full. So they had to call all their friends. And it says, when Peter saw this miracle in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord. Notice he, he used the name Lord. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Isn't that great? There's something right about him. He realized who he was because he had correct perception of who Jesus is. If you've got the wrong perception or perspective of who God is and who Jesus is, you will have a wrong perception of who you are. You will not have a correct self-awareness. Simple. You know your creator, you've got to know who you are. You want to know who you really are? You know, people always talk about identity, identity. You know, we need to know who we are. Well, know who made you. And then he will explain to you who you really are. I mean, isn't that simple? Okay? And another situation where I can see where Peter's spirit is in John chapter 6. After teaching this heavy teaching, and in, in John chapter 6, in verse 65 to 67, I think, and it says, the teaching was so hard that some of the disciples start to leave him. People start to walk away from Jesus. Isn't that amazing how 
contemporary preachers, some of us, we, we would love to get the crowd. You know, the bigger the crowd, the better it is. But Jesus couldn't care less. I'm going to preach the truth. You don't like it, you can go. <laughs> My track record on human standard is not very good. You know, I began with 5,000. Now I only have 12. Like, oh, and one of them betrayed me. It's like, you know, that's not a very good track record on leadership issues. <laughs> Jesus, you've lost the momentum. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. You began with 5,000 people. Now you, you're left with 12 and one of them uh, betrayed you. Come on. What kind of leader are you? So people started to walk away from Jesus. And Jesus, he didn't sort of try to, to sort of negotiate. Come on, come on, guys. He turned around to the disciples, the, the, the disciples that were left with him, the 12 of them. He said, so what are you going go to go to now? Go. You know? <laughs> he was so secure with the truth that he's speaking. He turned around to them. He said, so are you going to go to? And listen to this. John chapter 6, verse 68. Peter responds. His response. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Here's the thing. It's almost like Peter has all his issues. I mean, when you read the gospel, there are more issues on Peter than Judas. You know? But somehow he said, whatever issue I have, I'm just hanging on to Jesus. That's it. Because he's going to fix it. I'm just going to hang on to him. And you know what? Whatever issue, it always comes out and Jesus will correct it. Whereas with Judas, nothing happened. Everything looks, looks fine. But something was going deeper and deeper and deeper. We can sing the same song, say the same prayer, read the same Bible, but something is not dealt with. That's kind of scary, isn't it? What is it? I believe it's the unsurrendered self. You'd like to, Judas kind of would like to keep it sort of untouched, and it's just lay there, you know, untouched. I look together on the outside. Even when, uh, when uh, the uh, when that lady was washing Jesus' feet, Judas said, "This expensive thing, exercise. The money could be given to the poor. You could say the right thing, but something in the inside is going really wrong." And John, retrospectively speaking, he said Judas said that because he. He, he likes the money. He would love to steal the money. My, I think from this passage, what we can say is this, let's just destroy the rhetoric. Is that okay? Just be real Christians. And be honest with God and with one another. With one another. This is what I believe you know what? I really believe discipleship, what discipleship is all about. It's like somebody somewhere is able to speak to you 
and ask you whatever questions they can ask. Somebody you can trust, not just anybody. That's what discipleship is. It's not a program. It's a lifestyle. What kind of lifestyle? Friendship and accountability. And often in, in, in Christianity, in churches, it's all about friendship. You know, we just need to be a community. We just need to be friends. You know, I just, want to be, you know, I just need people around me. No, no, no. It needs to go deeper than that. Is there somebody that you are actually accountable to that you can trust? Because none of us can live by ourselves. Or just me and God, me and God, well, forget the church then. But that's what discipleship is. Somebody actually holds you accountable. So nothing is hidden, you know. The problem is not how much, it's not how, much, how many issues we have, how big our, our problem is, because Jesus died for all our sins. So the problem is not the, 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 the size of my sin. The problem is I don't deal with it. I don't confess it. I don't come to somebody. I don't come to God and confess it. I don't open myself to my wife, to the people around me. And, the, and also, the next thing is, it's not how big your problem is, but sometimes, you know, I always tell people, it's not the mistake that you make, but failing to acknowledge that mistake is a bigger mistake than the mistake itself. Does that make sense to you guys? Number one. Number two, it's even greater offense, is that when you are corrected, you fail in the correction, that's even a greater offense. So I'm not, in, in presenting this passage, I'm not talking about perfect Christianity. But I think the good Christianity is vulnerable Christianity. Is that okay with you guys? It's vulnerable and openness Christianity. That somebody can actually look into your life and just start telling you the truth in love. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Let's all stand up. Our belief system, our faith is very simple. Many religions, they do their best to be the best humanity, the best whatever they can do in order to go to heaven. No one can do that. So guess what? God did it for us. He paid the price. I was talking to somebody the other day. Because other belief system, they, 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 they recognize Jesus as a prophet. But I said, well, Jesus has to be God because only God can forgive sins. And only God is able to pay the price. But here's the contention between the two, two situations here. Mankind, human, is liable but not able to pay the price. God is able but not liable to pay the price. So guess what? 
When God became man, we have this one person, Jesus, who is both legally viable and able. It's simple. So, we're not trying to better ourselves to go to, to, to get a ticket to heaven. We've got it. We serve one another. We we do the things that the good things that the right things as a thanksgiving to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Because you paid the price, we're not going to try to be there. We're just going to be living, like Paul said, because one died for all. That's why all those who live should not live for themselves, but for Him who died for them. It's that simple. So if you don't know Jesus, it really is that simple. Just Jesus, I'll receive you. I just want you. I surrender my life to you. So if you don't know Jesus, if you're that person that, yeah, I've done all. I've tried my life, tried to be to be nice, but I can't do it. So you want to give your heart to Jesus? Just raise your hand. I just, I'm saying this just in case you don't have that relationship with Jesus. It really is that simple. If you do, that's great. That's fantastic. Okay, the next thing I want to say, as you learn from this passage, whatever situation you, you know, all of us, we have, we have, we have all, all, all issues, all kinds of issues. I have my issues. You have your issues. But I know, like I remember dying, the way that puts it, Jesus is the rightful resting place for those issues. I love that the way she said that. Jesus is the rightful resting place for those issues. Just bring it to Him and say, Jesus, I don't care what your problem is. Whether it's whatever, anger, lust, whatever, pride, you know, all those things. Breathe with Jesus and Jesus, I can't do this anymore. So I don't know all your issues. Quite frankly, I don't need to know. It's between you and God. Why don't you put your hand on your heart? your chest and let me pray for you Father in the name of Jesus there are people with burdens maybe maybe it's unforgiveness maybe it's bitterness maybe I don't know Lord behind every person there is a story but somehow the story in the past needs to be Lay to rest in our hearts. I ask you, Jesus, to minister to these people. Just in your in your heart, just just Lord, I give it to you, Lord Jesus. I give it to you. Yes, Holy Spirit, minister to these people. Maybe marriage situation, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, husbands and wives, or moms and dads and or 
with children. Lord, I surrender. Everybody say, Lord, I surrender. Let's say it again. Lord, I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you all lift up your hands? I'm going to pronounce blessing as we close the meeting. Receive the blessing from the Lord. Father, with every hand lifted up, Lord, I pronounce blessing from heaven. Let there be an outpouring of your blessing in such a way that as we leave this place, it is unmistakable that we are people marked by your favor. But Lord, this blessing will, will not stop with us. It will flow out of our lives and touch many lives around us, Lord. Our family members, our neighbors, our friends at school and unions, our work colleagues, our bosses, business partners, everyone, Lord, will be touched by your blessing because we are people purchased by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, give God a good hand.